0: Italy, 2007. In the midst of a lively stand-up routine, a portly, middle-aged comedian spies an elderly gentleman making a beeline for the packed auditorium exit. The comedian, Beppe Grillo, agrees to distract the audience while the old man escapes in search of the loo. It's a great comic routine, but not quite what you'd expect from someone about to found a political party that would go on to turn Italian politics on its head.
1: This was the genius of Beppe Grillo, is that he was able to attract both left and right at the beginning. So the Green policies would bring in the the left. But at the same time, there was a hint of right-wing populism there.
0: But now, why are the balloons popping for the party that promised such radical change? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, Italy's five-star movement. A well-executed punchline or a comedy of errors?
1: It's suddenly got hot and sunny here. The parks are full of people running around as if they've never seen a sunny day before.
0: That's Tom Kington, our Italian correspondent at The Times. Tom's been following the extraordinary career of Beppe Grillo and his impossible five-star movement from day one. Now, with the movement in big trouble, what can he tell us about this clown-turned-power-broker? He was a risk-taking,
1: raucous comic, to the point that he got himself banned from Italy's state TV network in 1987 after making a risque joke about government corruption. So he switched back to doing live shows and he would tour the country continuously, got himself a really big following. And in 2005, he started using a blog to help build up his Stage Act to solicit dirt on local politicians in towns that he was due to perform in. (laughs) Uh, He would harangue companies like Fiat for not producing electric cars, but he would also rage against the big wages paid to politicians, the sleaze of politicians at the time. Don't forget, we're talking about the era of Silvio Berlusconi. And with very little traditional publicity, in 2007, he brought two million people out onto the streets for a series of rallies where he demanded that all MPs in Parliament who had criminal records should be booted out. And these rallies were known as the Vafancule R-
0: rallies. The rallies?
1: That was his catchphrase, which um, I won't translate literally, but it's a very rude
0: insult. Well, I've just been watching Il Cacciatore, The Hunter, on Channel 4, so if you want to know what Vafancule <laughs> means, then you can just look at the subtitles on that. By
1: 2009, he was ready to form the Five Star Movement, which he denied was a political party, but, to all intents and purposes, was rapidly becoming
0: just that. There was significance in Grillo's naming of the party. The five stars are get this public water, sustainable transport, sustainable development, right to internet access, and environmentalism. But how did Grillo go about making a party out of what was essentially little more than a furious blog site?
1: He then created a system of what he called meetups where if you were arguing on on the blog, you could find people like you in your local town. These things began to sort of coalesce into uh, local party organisations.
0: An online presence became a real thing. It sort of morphed from being a whole lot of people signing onto his blog saying, I'm cross about this or that, to people actually saying, I'm now a member of a party and I'm going to act like that.
1: That's right. Slowly they began to put up candidates for local elections and then regional elections
0: until eventually in 2013, candidates for parliament. Okay, so in that period before entering parliament, who was supporting them? Did you know people who liked them at that stage? I would ask middle-class professionals
1: I knew in Rome, doctors, lawyers, accountants, and more and more often they would say, Yeah, I, I, I want to give these guys a chance. Which was very really interesting because part of Beppe Grillo's whole kind of shtick was to overthrow the establishment in Italy. So here I was talking to people who, in a way, represented that establishment. They themselves were saying, this is the wind of change. Let's just give it a go.
0: So he brings this movement together. Now the next thing it needs, it needs other leading figures. So, who became the leading figures in Five Star in those relatively early days?
1: Grillo founded the movement with Gian Roberto Casaleggio, who was an interesting character. He's no longer with us. Uh, he was soft spoken as as Grillo was foul mouthed. An internet guru who resembled a sort of older version of John Lennon who was very good at managing all the kind of online technicalities. So he was the kind of engine room behind Grillo's blog, one of the 10 most popular blogs in the world at one point. So you had people like Casaleggio behind the scenes. Then you had the influx of young believers coming in. Someone like, for example, Luigi Di Maio, who later on became a very important person in the movement, who had zero political experience. In fact, he's Often criticised because one of the jobs on his CV was steward at Naples Football Club. So someone who was really well regarded in the party because he had no experience. That was where Five Star really changed politics. They were saying, uh, we want the fresh blood. We want people who haven't been tainted by the system.
0: So in other words, they weren't taking experienced politicians from other parties. They were starting everything right from the very beginning. And how did they select candidates then? People voted for them online.
1: Yeah, you would post a video of yourself saying, hi, I'm Giuseppe, I'm an IT guy, I'm a waiter, I'm a whatever, from Palermo. I would love to see Five Star Movement do this. I care about this. I want to see this happen in my neighbourhood and there would be online votes.
0: Can you take us through the process of how they start small and begin to get more electoral support? It was a question of starting
1: local, then gradually working their way up to regional elections, but also taking over towns. Parma was an early conquest where a young novice, Federico Pizzarotti, was elected mayor following years in which the previous mayor, a Berlusconi man,
0: was accused of disastrous handling of the city's finances. So... We come to the 2013 general election. What happened to them at that election and what were they saying should be done?
1: At the time, it was it was a mixture of green policies, mixed in with anti-sleaze policies, mixed in with the idea that MPs should only stand for two terms. Now, this was a, a five-star way to ensure that MPs didn't get their feet under the desk for too long. They didn't get too cosy. They didn't risk being corrupted it would ensure a regular turnover of MPs in Parliament. They also began to think about how five-star MPs could hand back a big chunk of their salary because these these are well-paid MPs. They could hand back 2,000 euros every month of their salary, which would be used to fund microcredit schemes for small companies. They were true to their word, and to date millions of
0: euros have been handed back to help small up-and-coming businesses in Italy. Wow. And what about, the if you like, the big issues? Where were they standing back then on things like austerity or tax cuts? More than calling for tax cuts,
1: this was a party that I think has all, always called for the creation of jobs, the kick-starting of the economy. However, beyond that, this is, this is a movement that began to lose its way slightly when it came to, to, to a lot of policies. One of their big things was to oppose an Alpine train link, which was being planned. They saw it as being wasteful, which I think was always quite a mystery for many people because trucks and and motorways are not a green solution, but trains are a lot cleaner than motorways. But nevertheless, Five Star was dead against this train link only after a number of years to cave in and accept it. So you began to see a kind of shifting of policies due to their very nature, the idea that everything was going to be debated online, everything was going to be voted on. So you began to see a bit of a drift because you cannot rely on 100,000 people who may change their minds from
0: week to week to produce a manifesto that the party can stick to. I mean, it's an extraordinary thought that you'd literally be voting all the time online and changing your policies according to how people were being capricious
1: there was quite a lot of guidance from the party elders people began also to think that far from being a, a pure digital democracy it was actually something that was being steered so occasionally you'd have votes where Beppe grillo would come out and say i don't want to try and influence you but i think this is the thing to do
0: they, they get into parliament in 2013 and here's this new populist party and um, does it garner interest from populists in other countries
1: it did. 2015, Nigel Farage wanted to understand how Grillo was achieving this, how he'd created this political machine out of a blog. Farage was really struck by the combination of social media, internet, video, direct democracy
0: by Grillo. Remarkable, quite remarkable. Mr. Grillo, if you want to come to London for roast beef and Yorkshire pudding lunch (laughs) and a pint of English beer. Come and see me in August and let's talk about life. Another
1: fan was Steve Bannon, the former advisor to Donald Trump, who was really enthusiastic about how Five Star was bringing political novices into politics. Interestingly, Steve Bannon compared the Five Star movement to Bernie Sanders in America, saying that, They were both a left-wing version of the kind of populism which was also being touted by Donald Trump.
0: And that's a very interesting thing because what you have is a left-of-centre populist party when populism has generally been seen as a, a party of the right. So at this stage, the voters for Five Star, do they see themselves as broadly left or broadly right?
1: This was the genius of Beppe Grillo is that he was able to attract both left and right at the beginning. So the green policies would bring in the the left. But at the same time, there was a hint of right-wing populism there. I mean, at the beginning, Five Star wanted out of the, the euro currency, And increasingly, they took a hard line on migrants in wanting to
0: turn back the migrants who were sailing over from Libya. Before the 2018 elections, they begin to get some really big people elected for cities, don't they? Including the city where you live. You're an honorary Roman, Tom. Tell us about what happened in Rome in 2016.
1: The city elected this unknown, Virginia Raggi, as part of the drive to kick out the bums, Romans have long thought that they were governed by crooks. And here came Raggi, a lawyer by, by profession. She'd had some experience in Rome politics, but not much. And she was expected to save Rome from itself, to really do all the things in Rome that people have been calling... for for years. So improve rubbish collection, improve the the awful transport system, fill in the potholes. Unfortunately, she proved her inexperience by failing to do these things. She's up for re-election this year. She's slowly pulled it together and we'll see if she can get in again. But certainly at the beginning, she was really hampered by not knowing her way around the town hall. She surrounded herself with people who were similarly inexperienced. And it was just a train wreck at the beginning.
0: I mean, I was in Rome two years ago, and I think it was fair to say that the rubbish problem had not been solved.
1: What we now have is wild boar who come into Rome and eat the rubbish. So uh, in, in, in one way, it's been solved. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, so, vote Raggi, get wild boar.
1: <laughs> if she can convince Romans that the first three years of her term can be conveniently forgotten, then she may do well at the next election.
0: We'll have more on Raggi's Italian party in a moment after this message from The Boss.
2: Hello, I'm Emma Tucker, editor of the Sunday Times. It's thanks to listeners like you that we're able to
1: provide journalism that matters. Get to the heart of the story every day with The Times and
2: The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times.
0: Just before the break, Tom Kington, the Times Italy correspondent, was talking about how the first female mayor of Rome had found it tough to transition to total politics. Around the time she was elected, the city of Turin voted in another woman from Five Star. In Turin, a woman called Chiara Appendino was elected, who
1: I think just by her own experience was a much more effective mayor and convinced the people of Turin that that she kind of knew what she was doing.
0: So she's been a success? She's been a relative success, yeah. Tom, let's look at a couple of the other people who are important. Let's talk in the first instance about the son of Roberto Casaleggio. What can you tell us about him? Davide Casaleggio,
1: he's, he's an odd character as well. He was a chess prodigy at 12, became also an expert in all things internet, It's half English. I think that Italians can't get their head around him because he doesn't smile much. He comes over as a sort of classic computer nerd, and he suddenly found himself really inheriting the mantle of his father and slowly becoming a very influential figure in the party, even though he always denied it. What he did do was run an IT firm in Milan, and he set up an organization which provided the online voting system called Russo for Five Star to use for its votes. The organisation Casaleggio created also managed the party's website, obviously something very important for a party like that, given its web-based identity. So this gave him a kind of key role. But more than that, however, MPs in the party began to grumble about him getting involved in the politics. I've been talking recently to some of the people who left the party, And they've been claiming that uh, Davide got involved in choosing regional candidates, which is unusual given that on paper he had no role
0: in the party and he was just someone in charge of an IT firm in Milan. So from the outside, Davide Casaleggio was the tech wizard who ran the vital digital logistics for the party. Tom just mentioned a system called Russo, so let's find out the significance of that.
1: It's an online voting platform, so if you register to join the party, then that, gives you the way into the site so that when a vote is announced on a party policy, the system will recognize you and will
0: register your vote. So it's a party version of something like the NHS app that a lot of us now have, and he ran that. So how did that give him influence?
1: It didn't give him influence automatically, but by being the son of the co-founder, by being in the key meetings with Beppe Grillo, with Luigi De Maio, It was a shadowy role that he had.
0: On now to Luigi Di Maio. We last saw him being a youthful signer-upper for uh, a five-star. And then what happens to him? Well, he rises up to take over the party when Beppe Grillo steps back
1: into the role of guarantor. He became a party elder who would have no hands on day-to-day role, but would be there to kind of bestow his wisdom. And Luigi de Maio steps in as the new leader of the party. Not for very long, because by last year, he stepped down after a run of really terrible local election results. That left the party drifting. They took on a temporary leader, a rather colourless guy in parliament called Vito Crimi, but they have yet to figure out what to do next in terms of official leadership.
0: Now, let's dial back a little bit to the 2018 election, because that is really amazing. The 2018 election result is extraordinary, isn't it, in all kinds of ways?
1: It was an amazing shock to the political system in Italy. One of the reasons they did so well was because they drew lots of votes in the South. The reason for that was because they had promised a form of unemployment benefit, which is something that had never really been set up properly in Italy. They were going to give a livable income to people while they were searching for work and really, I think, help them to that 32% share they won in 2018.
0: They got 32% share, but another populist party also got a significant share. Now, tell us about them.
1: That was the League, the anti-migrant party led by Matteo Salvini. Compared to Pfizer, it's a bit like chalk and cheese. But nevertheless, they thrashed out a common platform They all sat in a room for a few days until they'd figured it
0: out and formed a government together. So you have the theoretically left Populist Party has now gone into government with the far right Populist Party, which is much smaller. So what did they agree to do? The policy programme that they drew up had a little bit for
1: everyone. So tax cuts for Salvini to please people in the north, the unemployment benefit for people in the South. If you're going to cut taxes uh, and, and boost unemployment benefit at the same time, you're, you're looking for trouble. And it quickly led to rouse. Salvini was really intent on his law and order programme, on pushing back migrants. Five Star was sort of on board with the anti-migrant policies, but some of its voters were, were feeling very unhappy about that. Um, and I think that Salvini very quickly realised that he was... Totally different kettle of fish to Five Star. The wheel started coming off.
0: And Five Star began to diminish in the polls and the league increased in the polls and overtook them in polling terms.
1: Correct. I think that that is what finally encouraged Matteo Salvini to believe that he could get along without Five Star. And that is why he walked away from the government hoping that there would be a general election that he could then win and take over the government on his own. However, he was ultimately
0: outfoxed. Now, this is interesting, isn't it? Because he was outfoxed by five-star, had no experience. There he is. He's the clever right-wing populist, etc. And he expects them not to be able to form a government, and they manage it. They
1: reached out to the centre-left Democratic Party and said, "Uh, fancy forming a government, something that Salvini would never have imagined was going to happen. Grillo himself at that point stood up and said, this is what we need to do. Grillo realized that uh, if they didn't, they were looking at years in the political wilderness. They were looking at a right-wing government formed by Salvini. So after years of saying, we will never get into political maneuvering, Beppe Grillo himself said, come on, let's switch sides. Let's go in with the, the Democrats. And that's what they did. What they did also is they kept the same prime minister. Now, back in 2018, Five star and Salvini had decided that they needed a neutral figure as Prime Minister, so they chose Giuseppe Conte, who was a completely unknown law professor they drafted him in he looked good on TV and he proved to be fairly able at being a referee between the two sides when Salvini walked away from government when five star brought the Democrats on board to keep their majority, they kept Conte as prime minister so Italy went into 2020 to face the Covid crisis with a very strange hybrid coalition and an unknown
0: law professor as prime minister. So here is Five Star facing the difficulties and compromises of power. And it's at this tricky moment that party guarantor, its moral guide, Beppe Grillo, suddenly breaks cover and re-emerges on the public stage. And not in a good way. It was in a YouTube defense of his son, who had been allegedly involved in a gang sexual assault on a young girl while on holiday in Sardinia in 2019, and Grillo wasn't happy. (laughs) The full-length clip shows Grillo trying to undermine the alleged victim's account on the basis that she had waited a number of days before going to the police. He clearly thinks this makes her claim incredible. Others strongly disagree, and it deeply upset many people in and around the party. So where has this all left Five Star?
1: You've got its so-called guarantor, Beppe Grillo, who has rubbed a lot of MPs up the wrong way. You've got Davide Casaleggio, the son of the co-founder, who has also irritated a lot of MPs because he's seen to be getting involved in political decision-making when he shouldn't be. Luigi Di Maio has stepped down from the leadership. There's no one running the show anymore. Literally no one. Apart from this poor guy, Vito Creamy, who was appointed as sort of interim leader, but no one's really listening to him either.
0: And are people leaving the party?
1: Well, consider this. Of the 338 MPs and senators who were elected in 2018, at a time that was more than any other party, 99 have now either left the party of their own volition or have been expelled for arguing of the party line. So really, you're looking at a party which is falling to pieces.
0: Is that mirrored at all by what's happening to the party in the rest of the country outside parliament? Are members leaving? Are local councillors leaving?
1: This is a party that got 32% of the vote in 2018. Most polls these days give them... 16, 17, their support in the country has pretty much halved.
0: When Italian political analysts look at that situation, what do they say? Do they say this was an experiment that failed? A lot of them do.
1: A lot of them, however, I think, realise that a lot got achieved. If you think of Italian politics before Beppe Grillo came on the scene, Parliament really was a closed shop. Political parties did their own thing. They listened to the unions or they listened to business, but they didn't really listen to anyone else. They certainly didn't have an online presence. So I think that possibly Beppe Grillo himself was right when he once said that uh, Five Star was a bit like a virus and that once it had infected politics, it would disappear.
0: And it's infected and it's beginning to disappear.
1: I think it's dream of digital democracy, of replacing parliament with online voting platforms has proved to be unrealizable. Their early supporters have said, hang on, we were the movement who were never going to ally with anyone. We've now done it three times. And this has really led to an erosion of their support and to a large number of MPs deserting or being kicked out. I think that the party will suddenly realise that it's got to stop pretending not to be a party and actually be a party. If they can do that, maybe they can survive
0: as the party they never wanted to be. And is that a party that can win, or is that a party that will settle at 15% of the vote and will be a junior party in future coalitions or in opposition?
1: What they're trying to do at the moment is to get Giuseppe Conte, the former prime minister, on board as the party leader. And it's funny because I think Conte is, is the complete opposite to what you'd expect from for, for a five-star leader. He's a very dapper law professor, speaks a fairly legal form of Italian. But he still does very well in the polls. And I think that's because he acquitted
0: himself quite well during the COVID crisis when he was in office last year. And what's happened to Davide Casaleggio, the man who pushed the digital aspect of the five-star movement?
1: Casaleggio, in April, said, that's it. I'm pulling the plug. I'm walking away from the five-star movement because you owe me thousands of euros and I've had to lay off my staff. This was him effectively saying, no more voting platform for you. The party that was born and bred on online votes suddenly had nowhere left to vote. By walking away, Casaleggio also took with him all the data of all the members, effectively meaning that Five Star could no longer hold the votes that it needs to decide anything. This is currently the standoff. Casaleggio's got all, all the data on the members in his computer in the office, and he's
0: not handing it over looking at this, I sort of got the impression that the lesson from all this is that populism is good for far right-wingers, but is really tricky for anyone else. Because actually, for anyone else, you have to admit that in the end, you have to compromise and that politics and running a country isn't simple and there's no one easy to blame. And that's tricky. Now, If you had to pick one character from Five Star who you would really like to see carry on in Italian politics, who would it be?
1: I would single out one MP who's only
0: 28 years old,
1: uh, Luigi Jovine, who comes from near Naples. I met him the other day, and he impressed me with his complete confidence that this was all going to be sorted out. He sort of brushed off all the problems, and I saw in him a lot of the enthusiasm that triggered the whole movement in the first place. He was talking about how during lockdown he had worked very hard to obtain a 20 million euro fund to compensate students in Italy who had been forced to keep up their rent on their university apartments, even when they were studying from home. So he'd been out there um, really campaigning for these people. He said, yeah, we've, we've been a bit foolish in the past with trying to sort of do everything online. Now we need to get a bit more real world. We need to get offices open. We need to get the structures set up. We need to be a bit more traditional. But I saw in him the enthusiasm
0: that perhaps can take the party forward. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, David Aronovich, and my guest, Italy correspondent for The Times, Tom Kington. You can read more of Tom's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer was Oliver Adamson, the executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Gareth Isles. If you have a story you think we should be covering, an idea for a future episode, we always like those, or thoughts on what you've just heard, Send us an email to times at thetimes.co.uk. Have a good weekend.
2: Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on OSEA sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day Made Easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site wide with code MOM at OSEAMalibu.com. That's O S E A MALibu.com code MOM.